Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia perfecta ex machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media, and focusing on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. On today's episode, episode 10, we share the exciting conclusion of our roundtable on the Disologoi project. As part of our department's regular brown bag workshops on teaching, faculty and instructors gather together to discuss the venerable rhetorical tradition of the Disologoi. The roundtable speakers are, in order of appearance, Paul Lynch, Jen Rust, Nathaniel Rivers, Joey Heresi, Ann Stiles, and Colton Bureau. Yeah, that's what he says. Not that I am saying what the good is on page 49. Right. I am rather right. trying rather to point out that it's not the same thing, which is good or bad, but that each is different yeah. from the other. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. So he's yeah, yeah, yeah. against, like, yeah. we're not talking about ontology here. Right. So, Right. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Although he does kind of notice this time too that he, he does end a couple sections by just dumping on poets occasionally. Yes, I noticed that. So he's got, he does have some platonist tendencies there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Come well, out. Listen, play, we, we disagree about lots of yeah. stuff, but we can of all course. agree. That we can all agree that poets. They're right, right. Poets, yeah. poetry to write their poetry to get pleasure, not, not to propound truth. truth. Right, right. But then, what makes how does that make poets different from rhetoricians? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. is there like professional? Right. Oh, I don't know sure. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Know, yeah. Weirdly yeah. enough, right? That's I think that right. that's the beginning of the disciplinary relationship between <laughs> poetics and rhetoric. It's like oh, it, all it's it's all it all begins. It's all this yeah. anonymous person's fault. Yeah. 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 Coward. No. Well, and then there's he the whole question. He was somewhat fixated on the body, also. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all part the of examples it. that he could think of for any category. The first thing was right. well, if you dress like this. Or you be, you know, if your yeah. body does this, then right. it's this. And it's only after that he was talking about the mind. Yeah. Yeah, he's not that interested. Right. I like, I like when yeah. he's pointing out this sort of, when he's using language as an example of things that, you know, with one small change. Right. Um, this is on page 53. Uh, you know. And maybe this goes to the ontology question, too. Like in the middle, in the left-hand column. Um, this is when he's talking about, right, when the demented and the wise are speaking, um, and one ought to bring up the question whether or not it's those who are sane or those who are demented who speak at the right moment, um, that maybe the only difference between what makes speech right or wrong is, is the ability to, to choose the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And that seemed a constant theme, the sort of circumstances mm-hmm. under which it's occurring. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when he goes down, he said, I, I myself do not think that things are altered maybe to the ontology question, right? mm-hmm. by the addition of such qualifications, but rather when an accent is altered. And when and he goes into all these, you know, I skimmed a lot of that, frankly. But the, <laughs> at the end, when he, he makes, you know, onos, I think it is, and, and nous, he notes that ass and mind are very uh, close together with one small alteration, right? I thought that was an interesting um, connection. And which makes me, you know, question a lot about a lot of sophisticated texts is how, how tongue-in-cheek Mm-hmm. Being, I mean, at the yeah. end of his uh, encomium on Helen, Gorgias says, I did this largely, where he, where he basically tries to exculpate Helen from the charge of, you know, being the, the reason for the Trojan War. Um, and at the end, he kind of says, I may have just done this all for my own amusement, right? Um, so but, I'm so, but I'm not a poet. But I'm not a poet. <laughs> right. 
Well, it's, and it's interesting, and you talk about that because in the, you know, so- Socrates is a Socrates slash Plato's critique of poets and rhetoricians is very similar in that mm-hmm. he's really upset mm-hmm. that they can't exactly give an account of what they're doing, mm-hmm. and it seems that, that they get taken up in a way mm-hmm. that that. They don't, they excludes a rational account, right. like the right. truth. I mean, the yeah, that's Socrates. Freaks is really right. freaked out by that, right. you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, we were yeah. just rereading the Republic. Wish we were Jules here, but yeah. we were just reading the Republic a few weeks ago. Right. That experiment. Right. Um, you know, there is that part of Plato's Republic where he he talks about, oh, if only someone could make a defense of poetry. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then right. maybe we could let it back into the right. Republic. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's sort of similar to that sort of. Yeah. You guys would put on a suit. Yeah. Yeah. In the ambiguous way to his rhetoric, too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I'm not doing rhetoric. Right. It would be fine if it were under these (laughs) circumstances. Right. Right. Yes. They got our good housekeeping seal of approval. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, in their day, you know, Socrates was called a sophist as well. Of course, right. 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 But, but I have a sort of just to more. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. While also and pointing out that they got paid for what they did. Right. Right, right. But a, a, I'm sorry, Anne, what did you Oh, I'm sorry. I've just heard sophistry used like more in a pejorative. Yeah, usually. Almost it always, is. right. And I mean, I don't yeah. teach 19 years so I've right. never actually read anything by an actual sophist. Yeah, right. And I was, I was just pleased at how entertaining and yes. interesting it is. Yes. Right. And that was part of their. Deal was to be entertaining because that's they they want a they want to be paid so thank you for that invention right the first paid teachers um, <laughs> no they were basically adjuncts they they went from town to town and town right right paid. I wonder why Socrates never talked about money because he had it because well, he had because he had rich friends who picked up the tab were they yeah no they were not unionized no yeah right Sparta didn't let them right. by the way I mean on that note I was wondering is it does anyone know if this was a single author or multiple people writing this? I think so. My understanding has always been assumed to be a single author. Yeah. But that, you know. Notes taken yeah. on them? Yeah, yeah, and it could be right secondhand. Someone kind of, it may not be the, whoever taught these things may not have been the author of this text, but maybe a student who wrote them down later. Graduate assistant. Yeah, no, the, right. Told no, the general sense is most changes. of our history of the Greeks is whatever the grad students wrote down. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's true. A lot of people. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. true. You know, Aristotle's rhetoric I think is. Derrida, no, not Derrida, no, no, it was Lacan. Aristotle after Lacan died. Yeah, Aristotle. Right, he's a graduate assistant or somebody of that category. Right. That's what yeah. Aristotle. I mean, right. The rhetoric is all lecture notes that were kind of cobbled together later on. Yeah. Yeah. Rhetoric's okay, but it's still pretty. Yeah. Choppy, yeah. yeah, and there, yeah. there are ambiguities that were never resolved. And but he was, t- I mean, as you say, he was giving rhetoric classes in the afternoon to kind of pay his way. And you know, nothing has changed in five hundred <laughs> years, right? Um, yeah. So what is the goal of this assignment? Because I've, like I said, I've never talked about yeah, sure. it before. So is the goal to get them to see both sides of an issue, or is I, there something more than just that? It's it's that, and I mean that's one of the things, right? To try to see that an issue can have two sides in the first place, um, to try to avoid what they sometimes do in 1900 students will sort of decide what they think and then search only for sources right. that will support their opinion. So just to imagine that there could be a controversy about it, um, to imagine, I mean, for me, I think some of the goals would be to 
try to imagine how someone who disagrees with them could possibly have come to that. I mean, it's best, I think, could, that they could imagine how someone who disagrees with them could have come to a conclusion, you know, to actually be able to say, well, while, you know, by the end, well, I think that's wrong. I can see why someone would think. Right. You know, this semester on my, the, per, the, the imagined person on my mind this whole time is sort of the, the Trump voter, right, that we've spent so much time talking about, right, not to tip our hands. <laughs> Um, as, as liberal academics, yeah, right? Um, but no, but how often, or so, or to, here, just take another one, you know, gay marriage, right? That there's a way in which people who are anti-gay marriage, right, have been framed by, by one side as a, that, that is tantamount absolutely to bigotry, right? right? I think it's possible that someone could actually say, I'm not a bigot. I don't have animus toward gay people, but I don't believe in gay marriage for these reasons, Right. And even though I don't find that persuasive, I'd like, in theory, a student to be able to kind of imagine what that person thinks right. without just writing them off as, you're just hopeless, right? And but that goes back to your question, Jen, too. There are some people you have to, you might have to right. say, like, actually, and Richard Spencer, I don't want to talk to you, right? Right. right. Milo Yiannopoulos, I, I really don't well, feel like we need to engage <laughs> right. in. I mean, I used to handle that by, like, just banning topics. Like, abortion. I don't yeah. want to hear about it. Capital punishment. I don't Can want I, to hear about it. I, mean, I totally. Like, no. Yeah. I, oh, totally. Fact, no, I had. I had. I had. But, 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 but wait. Capital punishment no. and abortion. Of course. Oh, but I had a student this semester, right? She um, she came to me and she said, so I'm, in, I'm doing the faith, doubt, and rhetoric. And I do the same thing. I'm like, guys, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want gun control. Unless you can tie it to a specific context. Right. Like, there's a bill before. before the Missouri House. Okay, right. if you can do that. I just don't want guns are good or bad. Anyway, a student comes to me and she says, well, I'm thinking about these three topics. And she's got it written down on a piece of paper. And she hits she euthanasia. Um, Gay marriage and abortion. That were three. I said if you had gotten gun control, you would have hit gold coins. You were one gun control away from hitting for the cycle. You know? Are you sure you don't want to finish up? I said, and I kind of said this very thing. Like, well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, you know, what I'm worried about is that when students tend to do these things, they just tend to rehearse the side that she's. And she said, well, that's just it. I don't know what I think about these issues. I was like, huh? Okay, that's surprising to me. and then he said, well, it's just that they're, they're so hot, white, hotly controversial, I'm afraid that you'll blah, blah, blah. And she said to me, well, isn't that why you come to college, to like figure that stuff out? I'm like, all right, checkmate. You know, if you want to do that. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I'm like, you, I lose. You win. Yeah, no, she told, right. You're done. But I, but I mean, that's the, I think the exception that generally proves the rule on those things, right? Because in my experience, many times people want to do those things are just... They rehearse what they've been told. Their entire I can see euthanasia actually. I don't know which one did she pick. She did. She decided not to do any of it. Oh, she kind of went. Yeah. I then I just right. used. Then I just <laughs> used sheer force. You scared yeah. her off. Yeah. So yeah. I had a yeah. student want to do something similar, and I pointed out a the class. I reminded them what the class was about. Right. But they wanted to do it. So what they did is they looked at going back to the ontological. Right. How does our understanding of life a function of medical technology? Right. Oh. So, like the issue of viability, how is the notion of viability affected? Because when right. that was originally decided, it was 26 weeks, and now because of neonatal care, so he looked at like end of life. So he basically did all those issues, but looked at how particular medical technologies changed the, like moved the goalpost mm -hmm. in terms of that. Mm -hmm. And so it was like <coughs> getting at that, but looking at the question of life and how our understanding of that is shaped, so that basically adding to that. Mm -hmm. Adding to that larger debate about euthanasia, 
mm-hmm. he'd add a perspective and be like, well, whatever our thoughts about that, those thoughts are themselves a function of yeah. how old we think people are supposed to be able to live. Mm-hmm. Which then can get into, like, going back to Joyous thing, it's not so much about, is life good? It's more about, <laughs> here are the arguments about right. what viability means, yeah. or here are the arguments yeah. about yeah. what intervention means right. or doesn't mean. Right. So, yeah. That's that, right was, that was basically a parry yeah. on that. Yeah. Wanted to do that, but could you... But it Can't gets us away from... Right, right, no. Yeah. And then you can globalize it also and say, why is it, say, for example, an issue in the U.S., but it isn't in many other Right, right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Do you ever have a student who changes their own mind about something accidentally? Like, they convince themselves of the opposite <laughs> side in doing this assignment. Because right. I remember doing that once accidentally as an undergrad. It was really kind of a cool experience. Like, I totally changed my opinion about something without intending to yeah. just by doing the research. Right. You know? No, I, 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 last uh, year, I had a couple kids, or two years ago, I had a couple kids who were arguing about the Rams Stadium and funding. And like, <laughs> you know, it's an it's an, right, right. What is, do they exist? What is St. Yeah. Louis? Um, and one of the kids came to me in the middle of it. He's like, I think I've changed my mind on this topic. I don't think I think what I thought. And it's like, you know, again, yeah. checkmate. I think you're done, right? Because if that's all they can do, I feel like that's a success. To go, I mean, to, I mean, I guess just to pair the, the course description that Paul wrote up for the Disobol that I used for my class. And I work my students through the kind of Paul list, the three reasons for doing it. And they're nicely sort of, for me at least, they're kind of cascaded, right? The first one is practical, right? It will just, it, you'll at least be better at making an argument if you know what your opposition's arguments right. are, right? So you'll, you'll argue on their terms, right? So I tell my students, right? Most times if I ask you to write an argument, you actually won't write me an argument. You'll give me a list of all the reasons you're for this. Right, right. Is, right, that's just an obnoxious diary entry, right? Yeah. You, give, you need to give them their right, reasons. Right, because they can't it. imagine what anyone else would possibly And then the second one is it, right. that it at least expands their ethical imagination so that they at least recognize their position is, in fact, a position. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is the moral imagination, right? right? So that not only do other positions exist, but that my opponent isn't my opponent because they just don't know any better. Other flawed, stupid, stupid person, right? So the example I was used for this, or another example, was when we were at, when I was a grad student at Purdue, 40,000 people, small Midwestern town, right? There's no parking. And students would always want to make an argument, we need to have more parking. And the reason we need to have more parking is because the administrators don't know how many people there are, right? Because they can't imagine that they have their own positive reasons. They must not know any better. Right. So I'll do all this research, look at all the number of students, all of them have cars, and then that'll be persuasive evidence why we need more parking. Of course, they've not realized that they have that, all that information, and that's why they decided not to have parking right. on campus. Right. Otherwise, every day, 40,000 people would be trying to find a spot. Right. Right. So for me, that's part of the value, right, that, that, they're, that oftentimes we imagine the other side must be opposed to us, so they've got a different perspective on the same thing. Yeah. Right? But it's like, no, they, did the, they, they are doing what, not, what you don't want for reasons entirely other than your reasons, not opposite reasons. Right. And so I think the goal of that, then, given that I think for the 190, the next arg- the next assignment is they then do an argument, right? Right? Is that, that will, take, for some reason that will now be pick better an audience, right? Because they recognize the practical, ethical, and moral stakes of argument. Which I think gets us into this too. That one of my one of the key moments in the text, I think, that jumped out at me this time, um, and this is on page 52, kind of goes to what you're saying. And, and a similar example in passing would be the kid, I, a student I had who wanted to uh, argue that SLU needed to restore its football team, right? And could not get past 
his main arguments being, I, he just really, really likes football. You know, and wouldn't it be great <laughs> if we had football? And I kept, you know, saying, you've got to imagine, right? What's the first thing the president's going to say, right? Let's let's imagine you sit down with Fred and say, I want football. It's the first thing he's going to say, like, how many bazillions of dollars would it possibly take? I mean, I'd imagine that might maybe they'd be liability. Thing. Yeah, what would be the liability, right? right? What would it cost, right? Um, and I could never get this student to answer that question. So part of the diso logo is to say you've got to be able to imagine. Anyway, he didn't do so well. Um, but he did okay in the class because I was too generous with extra credit. But in any case, on page 52, he says, it is therefore, this is in the right-hand column, the diso logo, it is therefore important to ask jurymen in turn what their judgment is. Jurymen, of course, not being personally present at the events. And I like that because I think he's pointing to the idea that at some point yeah. when you're determining truth and falsehood, you're making a judgment. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean... To, you know, as Plato might suggest, or at least Socrates would. I'm never sure what Plato actually thinks, but mm -hmm. as Socrates would suggest, well then, or seem to suggest, well then there's just no objective standard to truth, or tr it's all a free-for-all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the things, uh, to go back to, and you know, some of you were saying, the sophists very often get kind of put under the category of absolute certain ontological, you know, truth, or total free-for-all, mm -hmm. right? And actually, they're saying, no, it's a judgment. Mm -hmm based on circumstances and and time and, and argument, right? We're not, the fact that we're not certain there's a capital T truth doesn't mean it's just, bleh, you know, which mm -hmm. is how it, anyway. Yeah, it, no, it gets I to, I think, right. Nathaniel, what you were saying, the idea that like at some point you will have to make a judgment. It's for, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds legal. Well, it is, yeah. and it is for, I, I mean, mean, that's part of what of that context. Yeah. That's part of what their job is, is forensic rhetoric. I mean, that's why right. people want to pay right. Rhetoric. That's right. Especially in a Greek context because it's so litigious. That's right. Um, and you're doing it yourself, right? There right. are no lawyers. So you, right. have to, you, know, you have to go in there and do it yourself, you right? You can't just so, call a guy on the bus. Yes. I now imagine. that matchbook cover. I'm now imagining a side of a St. Louis bus with an ad for Gorgias. Yeah, that's right. Gorgias and he's wearing a toga Gorgias. with his thumbs up. Yeah, right. And an eye patch. I love the sense after that, too. Yeah. Even they themselves agree that. Uh, who is they? I forgot. The, the juryman, I think. Him. Yeah. Um, that with that with which the false is intermingled is false, and that with which the truth intermingled is true. Um, these this view is totally different. I guess I was a little confused, but but that idea that truth and falsehood are sort of intermingled with each other. Yeah, yeah. And we have you know there needs to be like the decisive judgment. Right. Happens, or the idea know. that they might not agree with their own judgment in some sense, like they mm -hmm. feel they would have rather given a different judgment, mm -hmm. but the context and the facts made them decide mm -hmm. in this particular way. Like, mm -hmm. right. We right. have to convict because of X or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Isn't that that's Kairos, right? That's those moment, the idea yeah. of picking the right moment. Right. The is, opportune time. That's the yeah. Term for that. Right. Yeah. Right. I like yeah. the judgment. It's, it's kind of a reminder to students, like you picked. This is not right. The ways that students want to naturalize their own positions, right? And you want to remind them that mm -hmm. some choosing happened here, right? Right. Yeah, because it's and a that point. there's a no, sorry, no, no, it should have, or <laughs> right. or right, or point. or maybe right. You discover all the ways in which the position you're taking is actually you haven't right. You you've inherited whatever this kind of position, mm -hmm. right? And then when you go and look at the other side, you might decide accidentally. Ooh, well, now that I get the pick, I actually don't like the default setting anymore. I was going to say, I mean, this is how I read, and I wanted to know what people thought on this truth and falsehood question, because this is always right, and we've alluded to this already, that knock against rhetoric, that it's too comfortable with falsehood, that, you know, um, 
But he says in, under under number four, right, on the two statements on the contrary. Okay, the, the one view affirms that the true statement and the false statement are different things, which, which is sort of the conventional, like, well, yeah, right? That's, I mean, at that point, I'm saying, yeah. The other group affirms that the two statements are on the contrary the same. I, for my part, also hold the latter view. First, because the two statements are expressed in the same words, and next, because whenever a statement is made, if the event has taken place in the way indicated by the statement, the statement is true, but if the event has not taken place in the way indicated, the statement is false. Same statement, but the yeah. same statement. But the same statement, right? So I'm reading, I'm, to, to me, what he seemed to be getting at there is some, some separation between language and reality, right? That mm -hmm. it's not language itself. Mm -hmm. But it's dependent. I mean, that seems to me to anchor it more closely to the circumstances, which makes it less relevant to me. Is that how other people are reading it? Because I was puzzling over this Sounds in my like office. There is right. Mm -hmm. That's what made me think of too. That there's some slippage there that this guy was trying to get at. Yeah. That you know, twenty-five hundred years ago. The original primal thing. Right. And that the words are, are, are sort of four seconds. Yes. Yes. And that's why Derrida. That's makes it. those moves showing that, right. oh, here, Socrates is a synthetic. Right, right, <laughs> I mean, right. Like right. pharmacy, you know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. there's, you know, yeah. Right. But you, were you going to say? Oh, no. Oh, no. okay. Right. But, I mean, when he says at the top there, yeah, we were, as, if we were as grouped to say, I'm an initiate, right? We should be all saying the same thing, but only I shall be telling the truth since only I am an initiate. It's clear then that the same statement is false when the false is present to it and true when the true is present to it. Just as a person is the same person, though one time a child, another youth, another adult, mm -hmm. another adult. Mm -hmm. To me, again, it seems to be getting at that idea that context and circumstances, yeah. Yeah. Do, are, but, but that they are very anchored in recognizable, what's the word I want, reality or, you know, mm -hmm. um, that getting away from this idea that a judgment is only relative to itself, right. but is, is actually it's relative. It's not out of thin air. Yeah. yeah. It's relative to the criteria which it provides. Right, right. So in the same way, which... That's right. The, Cole, the that's arguments, nice. right? Because it's... I mean, the, the abuse question, the, these questions seem like they can't be approached, but the cross-dialogues that are occurring are using different criteria to define the problem, to approach right. the problem. Right. to answer the problem. Right. And at least the way I, I read it was similar to yours, yeah. where it's like all of these criteria are in fact truish. Yeah. Some are also <laughs> false-ish, but right. most <laughs> of them are truish, right? And then at the end of this, right, the judgment is made, well, I'm going to stick with these criteria, even though I can see those criteria, right. some of those are valid. And then points. I therefore I can articulate why I right, came right. to my judgment, which is in a way of admitting that I came to a judgment. Right. right. You know, it's, it's, We don't want our students to do that. Papers. But at the end of the course, at the end of the course, course, we want yeah, yeah. right in the Disney logo. I don't want them to okay. do that, right? Yeah. But that might be an interesting thing to ask them to do. I'm not changing the assignment for okay. five years. Almost I like, swore well, at the like end of the legal, last round. Like yeah, but it's an legal question yeah. right, where they have to work through right. there. That's right, what they right, do. And I always use that as an example with my students. Right, that frequently, if, if a, I mean, if a, if a judge is deciding whether something's unconstitutional or not. That they're actually not deciding that. What they're deciding is what part of the Constitution to use, and then it follows from that, right? So it's that it, taking it back a level that it's not just the position you're taking. This is right or it's wrong. It's the criteria you're using to arrive. How would you even come to well, the it's conclusion? Also precedent too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. presidential I mean, right. Yeah, you know how has this been inter right. interpreted over the last right. centuries? Yeah, which yeah. seems to be involved in here too. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
unit you described, because I thought that uh, project was right on about like medical technology <coughs> and what life is. I mean, so what did the what did the Diesel Logoi paper look like? I'm as excited as you are. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm really interesting. I mean, in their because era. I think that's exactly right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why I think euthanasia could be taken. Oh, up absolutely. If it were done but in walk that. it back to the criteria right. that one would use, yeah. not simply weighing in. That's right. Prematurely. Okay. What's the difference between an inter intervention and the withdrawal of? I mean, that's a that's a that's a serious right. issue, right? Mm -hmm. in, in medical ethics, right? What's right. the difference between those two things, right? right. Um, and it's all determined by the currency of life. Right, right, right. Like, but yet it gets discussed as, to, as, as though there's this essential. Right. It's the not out of thin air thing, right? So the part of the right. reason I liked it is it very. It, I mean, I also just did it as a writing teacher, right? You need that's too big, right. just to be able to tackle it and research it. So, but doing that immediately just like tightened it to a really specific thing right. that they're looking at too. Right. So it also for me. It, I hope that it'll just make that one of the reasons I did that is not just for the purpose of the assignment, just hope that the writing is better, that they make it into a much more manageable thing that they're mm -hmm. writing around. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't want you to write about life. I want you to write about these three particular technologies. Right. right. We'll get and literally just describe later. the buttons. That's all right. I want. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. great. Well, um, we'll, maybe we'll see. To be the, I mean, the other thing, well, yeah, and we will have a second discussion of this. I mean, the other thing, my students, they're starting to come in tomorrow, my uh, students to Sologoi. Um, I have noticed this semester, I don't know if others have or are teaching it this semester, that they seem really, in a, I think in a good way, very, very confused by the assignment. I mean, I've had a lot of meetings or <laughs> yeah. frantic emails like, what do you want me to yeah. do? Just, and, and I like the fact that I can't exactly answer that question on some level. I mean, I can't. But a lot of times the answer has been, well, you just got to start writing it. Just write your way into... Yeah. The problem. I mean, I like that this um, more than in the past. I think it's it's lack of familiar format is making their brains hurt in a good way. Yeah. Like, no, you can't just pour in some content you found in the library into a muffin tin of an essay that you can say, you know, there it is, right? I did it. You know. Um, well, now I'm saying this now. They're going to come in tomorrow, and I may, you know, they may be absolute unholy messes, and I may regret this, but I I, I still kind of like it. Yeah. That when I had to step away, I met with the student very briefly because part of I have small writing assignments uh, right. that lead up to the disorder day, and one of them <laughs> is this research tool that they're composing, and they're supposed to track the change and the narrowing of the question, That's right, great. as they're doing research. Wow. It's fantastic on paper, <laughs> right? The questions I have gotten are and and they're just all over the place, and it's like, oh, did. Did I suddenly change my topic to charter schools? And then I'm looking and I can watch her and I go, no, 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 You, this is just a different answer to the question of the urban, suburban divide. And you see it like, okay. But like there's a moment of panic um, yeah. in like the, yeah. but, but it's the same change. anxiety. But right. in some sense, my hope is, and I'll, I'll be proven wrong or right about this tomorrow when it's due, but like... <laughs> or, or proven bold. You'll be proven bold. Like, <laughs> well, this we'll is come nice. back and just um, logo your response but, to it. But that yeah. sense of like narrowing it down to a question, the continual research, and what is the actual, like, the, not the thing, I don't avoid that, but like what is the concrete moment, right, that yeah. you are, are researching? Um, yeah. But the question is, it's, they're having to ask lateral questions which they're not used to. And that confusion and that tension, and you're like, did I suddenly change my topic? You said we had to approve when I change a topic. And it's like, 
Yes, you do, but yes, you right. didn't. You did, um, right. This ontological question. Well, my students yeah. have been doing that too, and I found that uh, although I've never done this in literature classes necessarily, having those conferences really, really helped. Yeah, yeah. That yes. Time. Because one group, the group that's doing child abuse, had gone off a little bit, and they themselves recognized it, that they were talking about in earlier sort of iterations. So our foster is foster care sort of, a, an answer to one of the problems of child abuse. And so they were going off on about foster care homes are like this, and then they got into adoption. And then I said, okay, so what's your topic? Uh, what are you going to, which one of these are you going to deal with for the disorder? You can't do all of that. They said, you know, we don't really want to do foster care anymore. So I said, that's fine, you don't have to. Right. So then they went back in and sort of started figuring out what they actually wanted, what aspect they wanted to look at, and that's where they came up with. And we don't want to figure out what to do about child abuse, but right. we want to know more about what it is or what kinds of right. kinds there are. But I think you know that's right. I mean, I think those conferences. So we were very confused for a while. Right. Yeah. But they're crew. I mean, I, I've canceled you know the whole week of class. Yeah. I'm doing it this week at one of my classes yeah. to meet with them for, and it's it's massively important. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I slowed um, the whole thing down. Yeah. Right. Because I want to walk through. And, you know, Cole, when you were talking, I was thinking about my own, when I'm writing my own stuff, right, that there are those mornings I wake up like, I see that this essay is going to write itself, right? And then two, <laughs> two weeks later, I'm like, this is garbage. And I, it has nowhere, you know, so you go through all the, you know, the seven stages of panic <laughs> with everything I write. Why shouldn't they experience that joy right. as well, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, pay it forward. Do you have yeah. it? What's that? Pay it forward. Was it, was pay it forward. Pay it forward. <laughs> With those conferences, though, one of the things that at least I, I find useful, so I, I absolutely agree, it's been great. Right. Um, in the schedule itself, because I had them sign up at a Google Doc, I wrote notes, like, so this was the topic, and very, very short, like, this is the topic that we agreed to. And that has been the most wonderful default, as I've gotten, like, emails. Yes. So can I do this in the United States? No. Right? Like, you, that is, we, but... It's because we agreed to something. And they're able to go back and go, oh, that's right. I'm doing this is where implicit I'm bias and sentencing in St. Louis. Right. Uh, like, because they would otherwise get off. Right. Because it, it gives them something grounded in the, in some sense, this is a little bit heavy handed, but like it comes from yeah. the teacher and going, nope, this was where we started. If this needs to change, I need to change it. But even the, because I'm the one typing it, when they go off on the tangents, they. I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful, right? I also don't know if I'm going to get a bunch of reflections that are all tangents, but, mm-hmm. but that same sense of being like able to... it's a contract. Right, yeah. right. That's a good way to... That as much as you want to let them write their way into it, you right. also want to keep the herd right. moving in one right. direction. Right. Describe right. the door yeah. for it before you walk right. into it. Yeah, yeah. I, added right. a, I added a week and had them write proposals. Yeah. Pitch me here as a way of slowing it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. could tell they were struggling, but struggling in a... Like, good, it feels like for me, struggle, like at this point right? in the semester, it's kind of like this is yeah. something needs. This is a fulcrum or something, right? Something is okay. Right. Yeah. We should probably think about wrapping up. It's just yeah. um, so. Our, uh, thank you, Ann. Um, anything else? I mean, we're just almost done with the hour. And noise is shifting. I think it's just that although it's sort of unnerving to see them going through all that stress and then I think it's becoming increasingly apparent to me it's sort of part of the assignment itself. Is that there is going to be some angst and some sort of figure out how to 
And it, yeah, I think that's right, John. And I think if there weren't, it would be a sign that they weren't being given anything new to do. Right. They weren't. I think if I wrote wrote them, I you know asked them to write, give me an argumentative essay, they'd be able to drop that. It might not be very good, but they could fill in the blanks. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that this is something that's confusing them and myself. Yeah. I'm, I love, I'm sitting in uncertainty as I'm yeah. doing it. But right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncertainty is a good thing. Yeah. If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Nathaniel Rivers, at nathaniel.rivers at slu.edu. Perfected ex machina.